guys. Welcome back to Becoming Better Podcast. This is your host, Hope Moquin. And as always, I'm so thankful that you chose to tune in today. I hope that your week is off to a good start and that you had a great time last week. I know for me, the past few days have been so chaotic and I don't want to say traumatizing, but it has been, it's just been, it's been tough over here. Um, for those of you who follow me on social media, you know that I am one of those annoying dog moms. Like I treat my dogs like they are my kids and I used to make fun of people who used to do that. And now I am one of those people, but I feel like in a weird coping kind of way, my husband and I got a dog when we first moved to Texas. So we got married and then like two weeks later, we moved to Texas where we knew nobody. And after moving, we got a dog really quickly. And then later on, we got another puppy. And so like in a way, these little dogs have just been very like emotional support for me because we don't, we don't really have a lot of friends here in Texas. And so these little dogs, they're like my life. And I sound like a crazy old cat lady right now, but it's just the truth. I love my dogs. Like, like I just, I love them so much. For those of you who don't follow me and haven't seen last Thursday, I had to make the awful right decision to put my German shepherd puppy down. He was five months and I knew that he had a heart murmur because we got him from a backyard breeder. And originally we weren't even going to get the dog. But when we rolled up to the backyard breeder and we saw this puppy, he was in the blazing sun in a kennel. He had dried poop all over him. And I was like, there's no way I'm leaving this puppy here. And so we're taking him. And then we found out he had a heart murmur. But the vets told us that he was going to have a decent amount of time to live, but that, you know, his heart was never going to get better. Um, But just unexpectedly, all of a sudden he got really, really ill on Thursday and just progressively worse throughout the entire day. And we ended up having to take him to the vet hospital that evening. And my little puppy was suffocating in my arms and we had to make the decision to um, put him out of his misery and just let him go home. And it was, I don't even know how to explain it. It was one of the most excruciating pains like I have ever felt. And that says a lot coming from me because I have gone through so much heartache in my life. It's like, I don't, I want to say it's unfair. It's just, it's ungodly of how much pain I have experienced in my life. But the ache that I had of my puppy in my arms and watching him suffocate and having to make the decision to put him out of his misery, that was a pain I do not wish upon my worst enemy, something that I think has changed my perspective and my heart forever. And so that was my last week. And so the past few days I have been very behind, hence why I am recording this podcast on Monday and it goes out tomorrow on Tuesday. So yeah, that's fun, but that's just me being real. I'm a little behind and (laughs) It is what it is. But with everything that happened these past few days and just the pain, the grieving and the trauma, if you will, it just really got me thinking on the topic of pain and grief and when bad things happen to good people or when heartache and hardships come your way, even when you're a Christian, like when life isn't good, but God is still good. How do you navigate that? How do you make sure that your foundation is set where you love God, you serve God simply because of who he is and not what he can do for you? The whole thing of how to make sure that your faith and your commitment to God isn't conditional. 
Because regardless of what we go through, we're all going to go through stuff. We're all going to go through pain. We're all going to go through heartache. And is our faith secure enough? Is our foundation solid enough and built upon the love of God to be able to say, even when life isn't good, God is still good? There's a story in the Bible in Joshua chapter 7 and 8. It is the battle of AI. I don't know how to say it. I say I, like I, I, captain, whatever. But it's the battle of I, and you should go and read it. It's about Joshua and the Israelites, and just I'm not going to read the whole story because it's a very long chapter. But if you go and read it, it's all about just failure and defeat and how to get back up, if you should get back up, all of that kind of stuff. And so Maybe after this, you can go and read it, or if you want to hit pause in the podcast right now and go and read it for yourself, that could also work as well. But I'm going to start out in verse two. It's still kind of long, but it says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaben, east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy on the land. And the men went up and spied out on Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all those people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for there are few. So about a few thousand men went up from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Sherebim and struck them at the descent. Here's the part. It says, And the hearts of people melted and became as water. This whole idea of, is your faith strong enough to sustain failure and to sustain heartbreak? Is your confidence in God actually there? Is your confidence in God actually as present as you think it is when heartache and when failure comes knocking at your door? Because in the verse, it says that the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And there have been many seasons in my life where some of it was from my own doing, where I dropped the ball and I ended up on the cold, hard ground. Other seasons were from when other people did me wrong, did me dirty. Other things were just very circumstantial that I didn't have a say in. But there were so many times in my life where it literally felt like my insides were just breaking and my heart was melting as if it was water, as if there was no substance there. But I think somebody listening needs to hear me when I say failure does not weaken God's ability for freedom in your life. Because we've talked about it a few times. Everyone fails. We're all going to drop the ball. We're not always going to get it right. We're going to find ourselves in some pretty sticky, messy, hurtful situations where maybe it's from our own doing or maybe it's from someone else's doing and we just walked into it. But failure, that doesn't weaken God's ability for freedom in your life. Moving on to the next few set of verses, which is where we're going to camp out for majority of this podcast episode. Verse six, it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his faith before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? 
Would that we had been content to dwell beyond Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off your name from the earth. What will you do for your great name? I want to circle back to the beginning where it says, where Joshua, he says, why have you, God, allowed this to happen? How many of us who are listening can relate to just that that little verse? When, when crap hits the fan, for term of better words, when things go south, when things hurt us, when things break our heart, when people stab us in the back, when we didn't get the job, when we lose the business, when that person breaks up with us, when that friend doesn't talk to us anymore, whatever fill in the blank, how come our first response is, God, why have you allowed this? God, why would you let my parents get a divorce? God, why would you let my boss fire me or treat me that way? God, why would you let that person say all those things about me and get away with it? God, why would you not heal me from depression? God, why would you not take this from me? God, how could you? God, why would you? Blame, 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 blame. All of it's blame. And do you know what blame does in your life? It's not good. I'll tell you that. Blame keeps you bound to a faith that is conditional. When things go wrong in our life, when things aren't going the way that we hoped or the way that we planned or the way that we anticipated, when we begin to blame and say, God, why would you? God, how could you? God, why didn't you? What we're doing is we are saying that our faith is conditional because we only serve God. We only say that God is good when our plan goes according to the way that we anticipated it to go. But if you want to rewind in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11, the most common Christianese verse, it's God saying, for I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future plans to prosper you, not to hurt you. God knows the plan for our lives. He is not surprised by the mess that you find yourself in. He is not surprised by the hurt that you're experiencing. He is not surprised about that person who did you wrong, about that person who said what, or whatever the case is. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you to give you a hope and a future, to prosper you, plans that are good because God is good. Therefore, the things for your life can only be good, can only turn out for good. And so when we begin to start playing this blame game, when things go out of our control and we say, God, how could you? God, why would you? We are saying to ourselves that our faith is conditional and that's not how it should be. And maybe today God wants to speak to some of your hearts and show you another side of him, maybe show you a little bit more of his heart, where you can trust him, where your faith doesn't have to be conditional, but you know, without a shadow of a doubt, regardless of what happens in your life, or regardless of what doesn't happen in your life, that God is good, even when life is not. So when we play the blame game, not only does it keep us bound to a faith that is conditional, but it also keeps us bound to a defeated spirit. Because when we start to blame God, when we start to question him and question his goodness and accuse him of not doing what he was supposed to do, 
what we're doing is when we're saying all that kind of stuff out loud, when we're thinking those things in our, in our minds and our hearts, we're telling ourselves that God isn't who he says to be. We're convincing ourselves that God isn't actually good because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. And so blaming all of these things on God, blaming all these things on even other people, just blaming is not healthy. Blaming is bad. Two Bs. Blaming bad. Blaming equals bad. Do not blame. Blame. There's nothing good that comes out of blame. It keeps your faith conditional and it keeps your spirit defeated. There is this quote that I found online one time and I do not remember who it is by. And so if you're hearing this and it sounds familiar and you know who said it, let me know and I will add it in on the next episode or I'll just go and tweak it and I'll put it in this one later. But it says, an important decision I made was to resist playing the blame game. The day I realized that I am in charge of how I will approach the problems in my life that things will turn out better or worse because of me and nobody else, that was the day I knew I would be a happier and healthier person. And that was the day I knew I could try to build a life that matters because blame doesn't empower you. Blame just keeps you stuck in a place where you don't want to be. Blaming others does not empower you. It just keeps you stuck in a place where you don't want to be. So maybe the next time we experience something that is very out of line from what we thought was going to happen, maybe the next time we experience something that is painful and aching, maybe the next time we experience something that brings us to our knees, that hurts us, instead of saying and blaming and saying, God, why would you allow this to happen? I know it's hard, But what if we switch the narrative and instead of saying that, we begin saying, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you trying to get my attention about? What are you trying to show me? What part of your heart are you trying to reveal to me? What do you want me to learn through this agonizing pain that I can only lean on you for? Because when we can see what God wants us to see, then we can do what God wants us to do. And that's really it, is us having the eyes to see things the way that God would have us see things. Us being able to look at ourselves the way that God would have us look at ourselves. Us being able to look at the world with how God views the world. What we need to do is get a fresh set of eyes to view things the way that God would have us view things. And though it won't always make sense, we can trust that we are leaning on a God who will keep our feet on solid ground at the very least. I spoke at a conference a few years back on this whole idea of blaming and on this whole story of I and Joshua 7. And at the end of it, I went and pulled up my notes because I just felt it was very fitting for this topic. I hit on a point in the sermon. It was called the in-between season. So from the point where you get hurt and to the point where you choose to get up, That in-between season between those two points are really significant and are a really big deal. Honestly, that in-between season is one of the loneliest times. And so between verses 9 and 10 and that story that I read and the story that I encourage you guys to go read, I'll briefly talk about it real quick. Verse 10, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? 
Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. And so there is something that happens between verse 10, where it says, get up and verse 12, where it says, cannot stand. I don't know what I was doing back then, which I mean, I still do, but I was doing all kinds of research of looking at the Hebrew and the Greek and just the meanings of this entire scripture, because this has been a scripture that the Lord revealed to me probably eight years ago. And for the longest time, I had no idea what this chapter meant. And I would read it all the time and I would get nothing from it. I didn't understand it. And then finally, one of the many days that I was looking at this, just trying to figure out what God was trying to speak to me in it, I started looking through the Hebrews original text and the Greek original text, and it blew my mind. And I feel like I understood a really, really insignificant and important message that God was trying to speak to his people through this. And so verse 10, where it talks about getting up and verse 12, where it says you cannot stand those two verses, they have the same primitive root in that verse. When it says that the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies because they were devoted for destruction, the words cannot stand is in the same Hebrew context of get up, meaning that the people couldn't stand up against the enemy because they were still devoted to the things that they should have already destroyed, whether those be habits, ways of thinking, etc., etc. And so what these few verses are saying is that if you want to stand up and move forward and walk on your path with God and you want to be bold and you want to be the person that God has called you to be, you literally cannot do that until you choose to put away those bad habits, those ways of thinking, those ways of sin, and you choose to lay those down and never pick them up again. You cannot become the person that you're called to be if you're going to be devoted to things that are going to destroy you. If you want to get the most out of this life, if you want to really become and step into the person that God has called you to be, you have to destroy the things that are hindering you to your purpose. And whatever walk of life you're in, whatever you feel called to do, blaming God and blaming others is something that will hinder you towards your purpose because you're focusing on all of these things instead of focusing on the nature and character of God because the nature and character of God is good, is gracious, is forgiving. He is fierce. He is kind. He is all-knowing. He is for you. He is comforter. He is protector. He is provider. He is all of those things and more. And when we focus on why would you, how could you, yada, 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 we need to get back to the beginning and the heart of God that is good and that is for you. The in-between season is so significant and you get to choose what you want to do in that in-between season. When Joshua was on the ground, 
defeated and hurt and blaming God and just being down on himself, the Lord spoke to him and he was like, Joshua, it's your time to get up. And let me tell somebody who's listening, when God is speaking to you, he is already preparing for you to do so, whatever it is that he's speaking to you. If he's speaking to you, that means you're ready. If you weren't ready, he wouldn't be speaking to you. So even when life is not good, is your faith strong enough to say, but God is still good? Is your understanding of God strong enough and rooted enough to say, even when life is not good, God is still good? And I know I didn't really give a lot of practical ways on how to do that, but for some things, you just There isn't practical steps. There is a Bible and there is a word of God for you to open and for you to read and let God speak to you through that. There isn't this 10-step plan, this 10-step action on how to learn to know that God is good even when life is not. You need to read your Bible and you need to let God speak to you. You need to let God heal some things in your heart. You need to go to him with open hands, with an open heart and say, God, here I am. Speak to me, use me, heal some things, reveal some things. Whatever you want to do, God, I am here. I am listening and I am yours. I am a huge practical person, but when it comes to the love of God, it's just, it does it doesn't make sense, okay? It doesn't. God is an illogical God, and we try to use logic to understand His ways, and it's just never going to work. And so open your Bible, go to Him with a humble heart, ask Him to speak to you, ask Him to reveal the things in your life that you need to work out so you can become better to be all that you're called to be. Ask Him and He will show up. And if you don't hear Him audibly, you don't see a sign that you're asking for, open your Bible because God is living and true and He left His Word for us to read and to understand and to know Him. And that's His heart for you, to be so in love with the God who made you, to be so in love with the God who continues to wake you up and give you breath each morning, that regardless of what happens in your life, you trust in the heart of God so much that you can say, even when life isn't good, I know that my God is and that he's faithful and that he's true and that he is cheering me on every step of the way and that he will never leave and never forsake me. I hope that this week really encouraged you. And if it spoke to you, go ahead and send it to a friend and just let them know that you are thinking of them. And hey, why don't you do me a favor? If you're listening to the podcast this week, go ahead and share it on one of your social media platforms and give us a tag. I would love to see who is listening and who is watching. It means so much to me. I love and I appreciate every single one of you from all of the different countries. I still think it's the coolest thing in the world. And so thank you for your support. I really pray and hope that this blesses you this week and that you can get something so sweet out of it. And so as always, I will see you back here next Tuesday with a brand new episode. And until then, I hope that you have the best week ever. All right. Bye.